praise you for your mercy and do us forever. God's good to us. This is actually a lesson from, we, I know we forgot about it, but the gravel road. And uh, now did you know the ladies were out today in Sister Annabeth's class? If you want to go, you don't have to. I, I was making sure any ladies knew that she was teaching on hair and stuff today. And if you wanted to go to that, you were welcome to go to that. But um, we're back with a lesson from walking that gravel road. And um, so if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to or Genesis, actually, Genesis 32 and 31, and then 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. Genesis 32 and 31, it says, And as he, referring to Jacob, passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted or he limped upon his thigh. He, he was limping because of an injury to his thigh. So that morning, as he got up and he was leaving that place, uh, he was limping. 1 Corinthians 6 and 11 says this, And such were some of you. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And our lesson this morning is allowing God to change us. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, we love you this morning and thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you've called us, called us to change. Lord, you, our, even our location, you've, you've changed us, Lord. and We thank you for it. Now, bless us to hear the word and receive it. Lord, we're going to praise you for all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Thankful for his word. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you. You can be seated this morning. Allowing God to change us. Even the statement in scripture that says he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, we'll indicate that this walk with him is all about the change. The title has a very specific word in it and a very important word, and that is allowing. Uh, you must allow God to change you. Many times we begin to initiate changes and we think that's God, but then we wonder why we struggle with it, and it's because we tried to change it without allowing God to change it. And see, God will change things from the inside out. We try to change things from the outside in. That if I do this, the inside will feel better, but it doesn't work. It's not the flesh. Uh, to get things right, to get that change, God has to change us, and we have to allow that. That's why he said, I would take from you that heart of stone and I will replace it with a heart of flesh. And at that point, once I work on the inside, then you can keep my commandments, walk in my ways, keep my statutes. You'll be able to do those things. You'll be, you know, my people, and I'll be your God. And so we've got to allow God to change us, not just jump on a bandwagon of church. Now, see, that's a, that's a thing, especially in our culture, is that... and. That's very exciting, and because uh, people are very uh, emotion-activated uh, and, you know, that we, we feel excitement, so this has got to be right. We feel community, so this has got to be right. We feel, uh, you know, this uh, 
you know, joy and happiness because I'm around other people that's full of joy and happiness. And we think that that's all there is to it. And we think we've actually been changed because our emotions are different. But it's not just going to make our emotions different. There's got to be a change from the inside. And you've got to allow God to work on that. And to do that, we've got to uh, allow God to, to, to see. We've got to be honest with God. That's I maybe mean, a good way to say it. You know, we talked about a, a few weeks ago uh, the guy that had the withered hand and how he had to uh, stand forth and, sh and, and stick that hand out there. He had to come and present his worst so that the Lord could actually work on it. He had to be honest and he had to resist the temptation to just act like I'm like everybody else and to fit into the crowd. And you've got to have some time where it's you and God alone and let him work on you, allow him to change you. And uh, Bishop T.F. Tenney said this, uh, that you don't always race to victory. He said, Jacob limped his way to a new name. There's going to be uh, some change before there's some new. Uh, and change is just never easy. Good or bad, uh, change is not easy because we get set in our routines, we get, um, uh, you know, we like our doing things a certain way, we, we don't like our lives to be disruptive, and uh, so we're like, I want things to stay the same. There was a, a reporter who interviewed uh, a guy, who, he had just turned 100 years old, and he was talking to him, and he said, during your long life, you must have seen a lot of things change, and the gentleman said, yes, I did. And I was against every one of them. Nobody likes change. And so you know how it is. If you ever try to break a habit or um, change your behavior, it, it's difficult sometimes. People, I've, I've known people who, who want, they want to quit uh, smoking. And it's, it's hard. They're addicted. And it's hard. They want to change. They know they need to change, but it's hard to do. Or, or maybe back in my day, it was trying to quit dipping snuff and chewing tobacco, things like that. that would yeah, It just became such a habit. And then it was... Uh, it was part of your life, part of your routine, and so it was uh, hard to, to get away from. But sometimes uh, change becomes necessary. Sometimes there is a, uh, some kind of very urgent or, or even tragic event that will predicate that change and uh, that will cause people to realize, I've got to do something. It's, we, we call them wake-up calls. It's like someone who, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it is their their just eat junk all the time. They never exercise, don't do anything. They, they, you know, they, they smoke or whatever, and then all of a sudden they have a heart attack. They survive it, and the doctor tells them, if you don't change your lifestyle, this is going to take you out. And you see them, uh, and I've seen people do it. I've knew people that smoked all their life, and, man, they, they didn't pick another cigarette up. They said, that's the end of that because they wanted to live. So they stopped that. They changed their eating habits, started exercising. They lost the weight. And they were able to, to continue living uh, and, and feeling and actually then realized, hey, I actually feel better uh, because I have made this change. But it took something to, as we say, to wake them up. Hey, you know, it's, uh, you, you know I, I knew guys, uh, you know, uh, that uh, just constantly they would, you know, they, they, back in the day, always drinking, always drinking, always get in their car and drive. Not me, I'm not going to get caught till they did. And then they got caught again. And then they realized that, hey, 
I'm not going to be able to drive anymore. I'm not going to have a license. I'm not going to have anything if I don't, you know, straighten up. And, you know, they, once they stood in front of a judge and the judge said, this is what's going to happen to you. And it was a wake-up call. And they realized I've got a problem. I've got to deal with it. And uh, so that's, that's what happens to us a lot of times. It facilitates that change is that um, something has to happen, something that stirs us and wakes us up and gets us to where I've got to have some change. But a lot of times, even when the alarms are going off, we don't recognize it. And that's the, that's the problem is that uh, sometimes things get worse over time so slowly that we don't recognize there's a problem or we won't admit there's a problem. Scripture says uh, the, about people, it says because God does not judge us instantly that it's just set in our hearts to do evil. He said because sentencing for things is God doesn't just come right down as soon as you make a mistake and that's the end of you. And so people say like, well, there's no repercussions, but one day we're going to pay the piper. One day it's, it's going to wind up and, it, and we're going to give an account. And so we, you know, I don't want that day to be my wake-up call because at that point it's too late. And so we realize now that I need a change in my life. And so uh, change, like I said, never comes easy. And our change is not cheap. It costs something. We have to, uh, as Jesus said, you have to, take up my cross and follow me daily. You, you have to lose your life to save it. It's not going to be, uh, he never said it would be easy. He never told them, hey, follow me. This is going to be the easiest ride of your life. It was probably the most heart-wrenching and, uh, you know, just uh, uh, even difficult at times, hard to understand. It was, a, it was not like, uh, hey, walking with Jesus 101. This was like, you're going to see you're going to be hated for my name's sake. People are going to mock you. They're going to hate me. They're going to try to kill us. They're going to stamp us out. Don't think that all these miracles and signs and wonders is going to make you popular because it's not. He said this, so there's, but there is going to be a change because I'm going to make you fishers of men. You, you won't be who you are now. Uh, there's going to be a change in your life. And so uh, that's what the gospel is all about. Again, it's, it's about that change. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That means I used to be an old creature. That means there's a change. Old things are passed away. All things are made new. We are born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, the Word of God. There's a new way of living. We're baptized to walk in newness of life. We leave the old life behind. We bury the old man. Over and over again, um, <clears throat> we find out that God wants to change us. Even in John's uh, gospel in the first chapter, he said that for those of us that would receive Jesus and those of us that would believe on him, it would uh, give us the power to become the sons of God. That would change us. We would be different. And so when we read this story in Genesis and, and talking about Jacob and this uh, wrestling match he had that uh, left him with a limp, we, we see uh, that God longs to change us and he's looking for a moment when we will allow him to change us that's the thing we've got to allow him to change us from the inside out uh, Jacob had lived his life as a deceiver he knew how to scheme he knew how to get what he wanted and he always seemed to come out on top uh, and he, here's the thing God loved him there was promise in Jacob Jacob was going to be furthering 
the promises and the covenant that he had made with Abraham. And so God loved him, and that's why he wouldn't leave him walking in the same way that he first found him. And that's why when we come to the Lord, when we answer that call, it's, it's got to be more than just uh, an outward expression of something. Something has to happen inside. We have to allow him to change us. He loves us, so he loves us too much to leave us the same way he found us. That's why he would uh, heal people and deliver people and cast out devils out of people because he wanted their life to be better. He wanted it to be what it was intended to be. We talked about that a week or so ago, that uh, the way things and the way life was meant to be and uh, the way it was meant to be was to us be in fellowship with him and Christ be formed in us and Christ in us, the hope of glory. Uh, there's got to be something going on the inside. The Bible says there's one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. He wants uh, to, to get inside of our lives, inside of us, in our heart, and His Word hid in our heart so that we can actually change the outside. Because that's the thing, and, and that's what we have to realize, is that when the inside is changed, the outside will follow. It does not mean that the outside will not struggle. It doesn't mean that we won't have temptations. It doesn't mean we won't have failures. But there has been a change. And the way you know that someone has been changed inside when they failed is because they get up and keep going. People who only have an outward, action-based, work-based relationship with God, when they fail, they quit. Because, they, they, and this is, I can't do it. Well, that's your problem right there. You're trying to do it. And you're not letting the Lord be the Lord of your life. In this, uh, we'll read the incident, the, the, the story part here of Jacob with uh, this wrestling match. And let's just look at uh, how this transpired. And so in Genesis 30, or 32 and 24, it says, Jacob was left alone. There's going to be some times that you're going to have to just find a place where you and God can get together. And just, hey, Lord, we need to talk. He already knows that, but he's waiting for us to come to a point where we say, God, I need to talk to you. And he said, but when Jacob was left alone, there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let you go except that you would bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And this is very important how Jacob answered. He told him his name. And he said, Jacob. Well, he said, your name won't be Jacob anymore, but it'll be Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, what is thy name? And he said, why is it that you would ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. That's what the word uh, Peniel means, uh, God the, or the face of God. And he said, and my life is preserved. And then as he passed over from Peniel, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh or he limped. This left him uh, changed forever. This, this little uh, uh, encounter with God 
this wrestling match here with God, it left him changed forever. It changed him so much that it not only affected him, but it also became a, a thing where Israel would no longer eat that part of the thigh that, that shrank up because uh, on any animal because of what God did uh, to Jacob that day. It was, it was like honoring that change that he had made in Jacob or in Israel. You'd be surprised how your change is going to affect a lot of people. God doesn't just change us for ourselves a lot of times. It's so that we can be uh, what we need to be for God. And so we see that this walking with God, these changes, it's about a face-to-face -face meeting with God. And anytime there's a face-to-face -face meeting with God, that means change. When Moses came down off the mountain after he had spent 40 days with God, they couldn't even look at his face. He had to put a veil on his face because his face shone with the glory of God. It changed him. When Moses came face to face with God at the burning bush, it changed him because it put him on a path uh, to becoming who he was supposed to be. But we want these, this intimacy with God, we want it at, at bargain prices. That's, we want a God who accepts us but never changes us. And so that's, that's where we, we, we start cutting the, the line is like, well, God loves me just like I am. And we stop right there. And that's absolutely true. There's no doubt about it that God loves us exactly like we are. But he, anybody anywhere right now on the planet doing whatever ungodly thing they're doing, he loves them. Absolutely. But he wants to change them. Because he wants us to be back in fellowship with him. He wants us to be reconciled unto him. God was in Christ reconciling the world. He wants things to be right between us. Not just to be, I love you. It's just like uh, a parent, uh, a natural parent with any child. If they're estranged, they, they, they want things right. And God wants things right with his children. And he wants us to be what we're supposed to be. And, and so we, we've got to get past this. Well, uh, you know, I'm going to serve God and, and I don't have to change at all because God loves me just like I am. Wow. Man, boy, headed, you're talking about headed for a heartbreak because we've got to have a change. We want God, but not the God who invites me to become like him daily. We want to go to heaven. You ask most people, that's it. I want to go to heaven. When I die, I want to go to heaven. Okay? But do you want to live for him while you're here? What if you live to 80? You're just going to do what you want to do to your 80 and then hope that he says, well done, good and faithful servant? This is what the rich young ruler wanted. He wanted God who loved him and accepted him, but don't change me. The scripture said that when Jesus looked at him, he said he beheld him and he loved him. But he said, you lack one thing. And he said, this is going to be a daily thing with us. You're going to sell everything you got. There's going to be a change. Your, your life's going to change. You're going to take up the cross and follow me daily. And the guy had a decision. And he walked away. Because you have to allow God to change you. He's not going to force you. He just said, this is what it'll take. Now it's a, the ball's in your court. Where do you, you know? What are you going to do with it? And so the rich young ruler said, nope, I want a God who accepts me but never changes me. I want a God that I don't have to walk with daily. I just want to be me and go to heaven. That's what he wanted. But walking with God is about moments when God desires nothing less than a changed me. God wants me to be changed. 
That's why he calls me. Why, why would he call me? If I don't have to change, why call me out of darkness? Why not just leave me in the dark? Did he not love me while I was in the dark? Sure he did. He loved me while I was in the dark. But he said, I don't want to leave you there. Because as long as you're in the dark, you'll do, you know, Scripture talks about men love darkness because their deeds were evil. As long as you stay in the dark, you stay after evil. But when you come into the light where everything's exposed, that's, they said, that's the change, and that's where you begin to, to act like me and, and be like me. And that's what, when we just change our externals, when we're doing this ourselves, we're not allowing God to change us. Uh, if there's no change in my heart, that's false Christianity. Because God said, I got to change your heart. I got to take the heart of stone. I got to put a heart of flesh. There's got to be a heart change or it's not a real relationship with him. And we all, as we all know, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart are the issues of life. We know that whatever's going on in here manifests on the outside. And so for God to change Jacob, he had to be alone with him. I don't know, need anybody else influencing him right now. I need to have a face-to-face -face with Jacob. But often we stay unchanged because we remain hidden in the crowd. We're acting like everybody else, and so we feel like we're camouflaged. But God sees even in the middle of the crowd. That's why he walked right into the middle of that porch where all those people that were lame and sick were at, and he walked up right to one guy. He said, will you be made whole? What's wrong, wrong with all them other ones, Lord? I'm looking for this guy right now. And he's laying here, and he's like everybody else, but today I know is his day. And you'd be surprised that God is trying to pull us out of the crowd so that he can change us. Because we, we get in the crowd, we, we all clap the same, we jump the same, but then when we're by ourselves, that's when we feel like, I'm not even sure if I'm saved. I'm not even sure if I'm doing right. I'm not even sure if God hears me. But then we get back in the crowd and we, we fall into all the participation and we're hiding ourselves, we're camouflaging ourselves in the crowd, but God sees us even in the crowd and knows what we need. And so, hey, God loves crowds. Everywhere he went, walking, there was crowds. They followed him, and people were healed, and miracles happened in crowds. But his masterpieces, those people who are changed forever, that, that, that usually happens one-on-one, -on -one, where, he, where he can talk with you and come let us reason together. Let's reason together and let's get rid of some things in your life. Let's, let's change you. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Change. And that's what the Holy Ghost wants to do in us is, is, is lead us into that place where it's just us and God and just be able to have a change initiated in our life. Now, God initiated this wrestling match. Jacob was alone. Next thing he knows, he didn't go chasing this guy across the desert and tackle him. Jacob's there by himself, and all of a sudden, you know. So we, we like to, this story of Jacob gives me a whole new insight to that song, Take Me to That Place, Lord, to That Secret Place, Wrap Me in Your Arms. So we think about, wrap me in your arms. But I think all of a sudden, I think Jacob was the first one to hear, dun, 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 dun. This, who is John Cena? <laughs> <laughs> and God, boom, 
and grabbed him and they began to grapple and the wrestling. Jacob realized uh, this wasn't just some ordinary, he wasn't being mugged, he wasn't being robbed. This was something supernatural and spiritual and he wrestled. He got a grip on that guy and let me go. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. You know, that's sometimes, you know, you've got to grab a hold to him and hold on to him. You know, this was a wrestling match. It wasn't just, they weren't dancing. Wrestling. You ever wrestle with your siblings or brothers or friends when you were young out in the yard? Man, face in the ground and, you know, knees in the ribs and hair pulling and, man, and I, man, I'm just telling you, I, I'm telling you, this was a wrestling man. He said he wrestled with him. And, and he's getting slung around, I imagine. I, I, I like to think it's probably like, uh, you know, J- Jacob ain't winning, but he's holding on. Because <laughs> I don't hear about nobody else getting injured but Jacob. But he's got a grip. And I'm not going to let go. I'm going to hold on because something's going to come of this. Something's going to happen. And sometimes when God approaches us like that, he's, there will be a disturbance in our spirit, in our soul, uh, sometimes even in our flesh. But in the middle of it, we've got to hold on to God. And you just think, all creation's watching this wrestling match. I wonder the angels looking over the portals of heaven. Get him, God. You know they ain't betting in heaven, so ain't nobody taking wagers on who's going to win. But, but he's got him. And he's wrestling with him. And so now the sun's starting to rise, and he's like, mm, I got to do something. So he, he touches him at the hollow of his thigh, and his, his hip, it goes out of joint. And he don't let go. And he says, let me go. And he says, I will not let you go. God tested Jacob because he knew that he was in pain now. I cannot imagine what it would be like for my hip to just be snatched out of the socket, out of joint, be injured like that. It it, it would hurt. And he's in pain, and I'm sure probably tears flowing from his eyes, and he will not let go. So the Lord says, I'm going to give him, I'm going to see how strong his resolve is. Let me go. Now, Jacob, it can end right here. All of that can stop right now. No. Because I have not suffered all these bumps and bruises and scrapes and sweated and held on and and fought and got slung all over this side of the desert just to go away with nothing. I will not let you go until you bless me. We used to sing that old hymn, like Jacob in the days of old, I wrestled with the Lord. The name of the song was, I would not be denied. And that's, that was the whole thing. Jacob said, I will not be denied. I'm not turning you loose until you bless me. I will not. Look, there's no way that I'm going through all this to come up empty handed. No, sir. I am going to get my blessing. And so now God asked him, what is your name? And that's a very important question because names, as you know, in the scripture have great meaning. Oftentimes, uh, their, it was, their name would uh, connect to their past, to their character, to their calling. Uh, you know, it would, uh, even, Jacob knows the importance of names. And he also knows the importance of name changes. 
because when his wife, Rachel, was giving birth to Benjamin, she died in childbirth. And as she was dying, she named Benjamin, she named him Benoni, Benoi, which means child of my sorrow. You know, she was dying. She was taking her last breath, and so she was very sorrowful, and so she tagged him with that. And that would have been his name. Every time anybody heard his name, they would have knew that's the child of sorrow. But Jacob stepped in and said, no, his name will be Benjamin, which means the son of my right hand, which is a source of power. And so uh, Jacob knew uh, there's a benefit to, to name changes, and, and you shouldn't have to be tagged uh, with name. And that's why uh, when he says, what is your name? Jacob answers, Jacob. You know, well, that's nothing big. Well, it is because his name means deceiver, a thief, a supplanter. He had always been since he was born. He was the heel grabber. He was only born a few minutes after Esau, but he had his hand on the heel of Esau as he was born. And, and he had spent his life getting things through deception and trickery and, and different things like that. And uh, that's the way he lived his life. That's who he had been. His name identified him. And instead of saying something else that would have been better, he just was honest with God and said, this is who I am at the core. I am Jacob. I am a thief. I am a deceiver. This is who I am. And because he was able to be honest about who he was at his core, the Lord said, not anymore. You will no longer be called Jacob, but from now you will be called Israel. And he changed his name and said, because uh, you have power with God and man, you, you have wrestled, you have prevailed, and now I will change your name. And you don't have to be a deceiver anymore. You don't have to be. That's why I'm changing this. And that's the thing is, is we can't change ourselves. God is going to change. We've got to let God do the work. Sure, we've got to follow some actions, but it's his word that changes us. It's his spirit that makes us new and it makes us the sons and daughters of God. And when we are, we live in the spirit and walk in the spirit, that's when we produce fruit of the spirit. And that's different than it was when we walked in the flesh because the flesh is an enemy against the spirit. And where does the Spirit go? It goes inside. We're filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of God is inside of us. And, and that's why we have to have that Spirit of God so we can be changed. God wants us to have His Spirit because He wants to change us. He wants us to be like Him. When we have His Spirit, we become like Him. You shall receive power, uh, the dunamis of God, the, the abilities, the, the, the characteristics of God when we are filled with his spirit. And so uh, we have to let God come and get right there with us and maybe wrestle with us till we finally own up to who we are and quit, you know, quit. Oh, yeah, I did a few things, God, but I'm a pretty good guy. No, that's not it. He was rotten to the core. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Why? We've got so many other names instead of just saying we were sinners. You know, I was just a little rowdy. You know, I was just a little rambunctious. I was just a little free-spirited. You're a sinner. <laughs> we, and, and God doesn't like sin. And God came to wash us from our sins. And God came to save us from our sins. We were dead in sins and trespasses. Now he wants us to be dead to sin and trespasses and alive unto God. There's going to be 
a change. And simply, listen, people, some people just read the Bible because they enjoy it. That's great. But let it change you because of the, old, uh, the whole idea of the Word of God is that we are born again by the Word of God. That's Scripture. We are born again, not of corruptible, corruptible seed, but incorruptible, the Word of God. So do more than just read it for, for relaxation. Read it so it can change you. And the Spirit, well, I need the Holy Ghost. Well, then get it, but then let it change you. Because a lot of people say, well, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's good. But man, did you cover the well up after you got it? The Bible warns us not to quench the Spirit. And some people come repentance. They're looking for something. God fills them with the Holy Ghost. They're baptized in Jesus' name. But then they never live in the Spirit. So you're not, God's going to give you the opportunity. But then you've got to allow because the Spirit leads us, the Scripture says. Well, a leading, you have to allow someone to lead you. They, when they grab you and pull you, that's not leading. That's dragging. That's, you know, that's kidnapping. That's force. That's not, but to be led, you have to allow someone to lead you. And so, we, so once we are filled with the Spirit, we have to allow the Spirit, to lead us into all truth. Jesus said the words I speak, uh, they are spirit and they are truth. And, and so we know that uh, the word is truth and the, the spirit will lead us into truth. And then we can actually have a change in our life. But just, just picking up a few good habits, us, us doing that, that's not real change. I want real change. I want, I want him... To, to, to change me. And if that means I have to walk with a limp, then I'll walk with a limp if that's what it takes because I want to be changed. Paul uh, wrote in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, I'm, uh, I got verse 18, so if you put that up, but, but the verse before that, Verse 17, we all know. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, or he's saying as looking in a mirror, we behold the glory of the Lord, and we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's why no real change happens, no real lasting change, no real change that will matter. It doesn't happen without the Lord. Now, changing your spending habits, that's something you can do. But your spending habits really ain't got anything to do with you and the Lord. Some people need prayer for their spending habits, so it may involve a supernatural intervention if they can't stay off of Amazon and different things like that, they may need a Holy Ghost wrestling match to say, hey, stay off Amazon, you're, you're going broke. But, uh, you know, but, but there are things that, sure, I can change my eating habits. I can do this, this thing. But the change of who I am at my core, because you can cover that up for a long time. You know, we, we read about in the news, you'll see, where all of a sudden the police arrested someone in a 38-year-old 
cold case, you know, mass murder. And they get this guy who's been living in some neighborhood for 30 years. And his neighbors are like, man, he's the nicest guy. Helps me with my lawn, takes out my garbage, watches my animals when I go off. I'd never believe he did that. He, he just covered it up. He just covered it. He was living there. And then they find out. They start looking around and, you know, they find out he's got all these different bodies on him and different things like that. And they're like, wow, I'd have never thought that. Because, see, we, we just cover it up, but it didn't change anything. And that, that's what happens is sometimes we, we just cover it up and, and, and then it doesn't change. We can't figure out, how did I just leave church and I want to go straight to that? We've got to have a change in our life. Being changed makes you a, a big target for temptation because the enemy will always try to get you back. But once we have been changed, really changed, we can endure temptation, as the Scripture says, and we can defeat temptation just like Jesus did. He defeated temptation in the wilderness through the Word of God, and, and we can too if we will allow the Word to actually change us. You know, sometimes people who have just become a Christian or maybe been a Christian for years, they can't reconcile the fact that they know they've been saved, they They've received the Holy Ghost, been baptized in His name, but they still struggle with impure thoughts. They, they struggle with, with suicidal thoughts. They pray, they fast, they memorize scriptures, and still nothing changes. And they, they get to a point where they just want to give up. But when God changes you, things change for the good. The thing is, is that we have to realize that we are free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. If we receive the Holy Ghost, where the Spirit of the Lord is, uh, there's liberty. We are free. And freedom is not something that is granted to us when we get everything right. There's a lot of people serving the Lord that think they're still in bondage until they get everything in their life lined up right. That's not the way it works. That's uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Um, if we'll, we'll put that up. I think, did I give you that? So, you know this scripture because we've read it so much, but know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived, not fornicators, adulterers, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves of mankind, not thieves, not covetous, not drunkards, not revilers, not extortioners. None of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then, and such were some of you, but you are washed. You are sanctified but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. The word justified is a legal term, and what it basically means for us in Scripture is it's like we never even sinned. And that's what he says happened, and that means you're free. You're free right then. When you repent and you're baptized in his name, those sins is for the remission of sins past, and you're filled with the Holy Ghost. When you're born again, it's such were, and now you are the Son of God. The free son of God. We are the sons of God. We are filled and we are free because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I don't get the freedom of the Holy Ghost later down the road. It comes with the Holy Ghost. And I have to remember that while I can still remember my past, I am free from my past. I told my wife one time, uh, I said, just because you can remember it doesn't mean you haven't defeated it. It doesn't mean you haven't got over it. It doesn't mean you haven't uh, conquered it. And, and that's the thing. I can still remember the stupid things I did before Jesus, but I'm not going to beat myself up over those things because it's under the blood. 
He forgave me. He washed me from that. There, there are things I've, I've said it before that only me, God, and the other party involved know about in my life. And that's the way it'll stay. And I hate it. And I think sometimes, God, I wish I was never that person. But you're not that person anymore. Don't forget. Don't, don't, don't morph into thinking you're still the same person. Because I hate who I was, but that's not who I am anymore. That's not, and that's what the, we've got to realize is that we have been made right. The, uh, Romans 5 and 1, uh, sis, if you throw that up there. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a powerful scripture. Now we are justified by our faith in him. We have believed or had faith. We have obeyed the gospel. We have been washed. We have been filled. We are new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away, and now all things are made new, and all things are of God. And so now my life consists of the things that belong to God. I'm not that person anymore. Don't let your flesh, don't let your mind, don't let nobody else uh, convince you that you are still that same individual. Oh, no. I had a wrestling match with God, and I came away different because he changed something. I'm not that person anymore. There are people who know what you did, who maybe did it with you, so they know who their old man was. And you've got to be able to tell them, that's not who I am anymore, and live the life that shows that I'm not that person anymore. I think about Lazarus, and I know I got, I, I'm, I'm not even going to finish this lesson. I've got to wind down. Uh, but I think about Lazarus when he died and the Lord gets there. Where, where have you laid him? Well, we put him over here. He said, go take the stone away. Oh, about, he's dead. Uh, been dead four days, Lord. You know, there were, there were people there that were with him in his sickness, watched him take his last breath. They were the ones that prepared his body. They were the ones that laid him in the tomb. They were the ones that rolled the stone over him, and they had been mourning him for these four days. They knew exactly. It was a fact. There was no denying it. I saw him sick. I saw him die. I put him in the tomb. I rolled the stone. I know he's dead. But the Lord said, Lazarus, come forth. And a change happened. But when he come out, he still had on, he said, and he that was dead came forth. But he was, was dead. He's not dead. He was dead. And so now he comes forth, he's wrapped in grave clothes, and the Lord, the Lord didn't go over and start taking it. He said, loose him and let him go. You put him in grave clothes so you could identify him with the dead, so you take those off of him. <laughs> yeah. But it's after the Lord does the work, we can't, we can't keep the grave clothes on them because there was no denying. No, I, I don't know. I think he's still a little dead, Lord. No, he's not. He's not even a little dead. He's alive. Right. It even goes into the next verse. It says, and now Jesus goes to Bethany six days later where he who was dead, Lazarus, is, is at. He said, this, he said but he was. He, he reminds us even into the next chapter that he's not dead anymore. Stop trying to identify him as the dead He's alive sitting at the table eating with me. And that, that's the thing we've got to realize. I'm not dead in sin anymore. I'm dead to sin. 
because he has washed me. And, and now I'm different. I'm changed inside. Used to be I would just give up and quit. But now, because something happened on the inside, I keep going. Do you make mistakes? Yeah, when a good man falls, he should not be utterly cast down, though. So the hand of the Lord's going to uphold him. God's going to be right there to help me up. When I fall, I shall arise. We talked about these verses over and over and over, trying to get us to realize that now that we live in this newness of life, it doesn't include, this is one thing about the newness of life, it doesn't include quitting unless you're quitting something that's not like God. This new life will never quit God. The old man will quit God on every chance he gets. That's just how the old man is because the flesh is enmity. The carnal mind is enmity, an enemy with God. And so as long as we live carnally, and honey, you can come to the music. I'm, I'm stopping uh, right here, and you can stand with me. Uh, I wish I could have finished all of this, but um, we, we get conflicted because we have trials or tests or struggles. But that does not mean that we have went back to our old ways or that there was never a change. So don't go back. But let God change you. While Scripture declares us to be free, if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. And you should know the truth and the truth will make you free. Sometimes we don't feel free and we don't behave in a manner that represents our freedom. So here's some choices and we'll end with these, that we can, these are choices of people who want to live for God. We can live spiritually conflicted while professing our freedom. This is the picture of someone who attends church, professes Christ as Savior and Lord, and yet has never allowed the Lordship of Christ to be the controlling force in his or her mind and emotion. That's big. You got to do more than just admit him, you got to submit to him. There's a difference between admission and submission. We need them both, not just one. And there is no submission without admission. So, But once we admit, we must also submit. That's why the Lord said, why do you call me Lord, but don't do the things I say? You've got to do that. Or, now here's our other choice. We can just abandon our faith. Because after repeated attempts to get it right, uh, you know, it, it hasn't worked. So this person who walks away from Christ because no matter how hard they try, it just doesn't work. They leave disillusioned, often plunged to deeper levels of darkness than they ever known before they ever came to the Lord. Because the scripture says, if we began in the spirit, are we now made perfect in the flesh? Stay in the spirit. Because there's a way that seems right to a man, but those ways end up in death. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. We've got to rely on him. Or, and this is the best answer, we can arrive at a place where we're totally honest about our weakness. God, this is what is wrong with me. Sometimes we're so ashamed of what our weakness is that we're like, you know, maybe we're like Paul, Lord, can you move these thorns? Because I really don't want anybody to see me less than perfect. And the Lord said, nah, because my grace is sufficient and you can serve me with the thorns. We have to be honest about our weaknesses. God, this is where I struggle. He knows it, but we got to be honest about it. What is your name? Jacob. He had to tell him, I'm a deceiver. I'm a thief. That's who I am. He said, well, I'm going to change that. 
And that's what he does with us. That's, that's, that's what true repentance is. It's when we die to the old person. And that's the place of spiritual death. So I want to allow God to change me. God will not force change on me. God can let situations be created to see if we will change or not. He started a wrestling match to see if Jacob would be changed. He let Satan attack Job to see if he would change. Job held on to his integrity. He said, no, I'm not going to change. So let God change you from the inside out. Be honest with him about who, who you are, what's going on in your life, and then let him change you. And when that change happens, live in that change and realize I'm not that person anymore. Don't be entangled again with, with bondage. Don't let anybody uh, put those chains of bondage on you anymore. Stand fast, the scripture says, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Stand fast in that and realize I, I am, I'm not going to be free. I am free. I am free from my past. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and pray together as we close out. Lord, we love you and thank you today for your goodness and mercy. We thank you that through you, Lord, there is real change. Lord, that we can be new creatures in you. God, help us to embrace that, to be honest, to confess our faults, to, to be honest with you about the things in our life so that we can have a new heart and a clean heart and a right spirit as David prayed. And Lord, we just love you and thank you for loving us enough to change us. Keep us now in the fear of you. and Let us walk in that change in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Thankful for him. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. What a great God we serve. He loves you. He just loves you too much to leave you the way he found you. Amen. God bless you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service.